Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. I know Joel's out of town. Let's let the guy with the gimp arm preach. Let's do that this morning. Um, Dude, it is a busy time in the life of our church, and I'm excited about some of the things. Nathan just got back from student camp. They had a great time last week there, part-time middle school, part-time high school. Um, We've got our one-day vacation Bible extreme coming up, and... um, Dude, I've, I've had the behind-the-scenes sneak peek. It's going to be amazing, and you don't want your kids to miss that. And so if you haven't signed them up, as Dan mentioned this morning, uh, go to pvine.org forward slash VBX and sign up for that. We're gearing up for fall. We're getting ready to, uh, to launch in August uh, when school goes back. Um, our small groups on Sunday morning as well, we're going to start back Accelerate. Accelerate Kids, all of our programming on Wednesday night. We're going to kick that off soon. And I know you've been waiting on that. And um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for it and can't wait, wait to see um, what God does in and through that. Hey, there's a phrase we use sometimes, and, and we, we kind of throw it around. We say, um, boy, he's a man after my own heart. Any, anybody ever heard that phrase or said that phrase? That, that person's a man after my own heart. Sometimes um, sometimes we say, uh, maybe if somebody drives the same brand of truck we drive, we say, that, that guy's a man after my own heart. And I, I tell you, the most belligerent people when it comes to their truck are the guys who drive Chevys. It's almost like there's no other truck out there. And, um, you know, sometimes you just drive a truck and it's not a Chevy and it's okay, right? But we say, uh, if somebody drives a Chevy, we say, that person's a man after my own heart. Or um, maybe if you're like me uh, and Danny Grant and Rick Ball and you have a bunch of kids, um, Jared Kish, he's not in this service this morning, you say, man, that's a, that's a man after my own heart, right? And um, Beth and I, we have uh, six kids. She couldn't keep her hands off of me. And, um, and so uh, we, we've got a big family, and, um, and so people with a lot of kids, you, if you see somebody like that, you say, man, that's a, that's a man after my own heart. Or if somebody likes a peanut butter and strawberry jam sandwich on Eggo waffles, I'm telling you, if you've not tried that, that'll change your life. And if you like that already, you're a man after my own heart or a woman after my own heart. We use that phrase to say, this this is somebody who likes the same things I like. Or this is somebody that I have some things in common with. And we throw that phrase around quite a bit. That, uh, that phrase is mentioned in Scripture, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But as we look at Scripture, um, it, it's awesome. There, there are two Testaments in Scripture. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the writing in Scripture that leads up to the birth of Christ. The New Testament is Scripture that is written after the birth of Christ. And so there are some stories in the Old Testament that, that are awesome. I mean, we can learn some things from the lives of Old Testament saints. We can also learn some things from the, uh, the lives of some sc- scoundrels whose lives we uh, see in the Old Testament. It's pretty awesome when something is written in the New Testament 
that refers back to the Old Testament. And sometimes that happens in Scripture. And we're going to look at a particular passage uh, like that this morning. If you've, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look first at Acts chapter 13. I think it's up here on the screen. Um, Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 22. It says, and this is, uh, this is Paul preaching, and he's talking about, um, he's referring to Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament when he says this, after removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out my will. And so there Paul is preaching and he is, uh, he is talking about the gospel. He's sharing the lineage of Jesus and he's talking about how David will come through the line of Jesus and sharing the gospel in this passage of scripture and Paul says there that God found David a man after his own heart it's mentioned one other time in scripture in first uh, Samuel chapter 13 verse 14 it says um, <clears throat> but now your reign will not endure again Samuel is talking to Saul he says your reign will not endure the Lord has found a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not done what the Lord commanded. And so in those passages of Scripture, um, um, Paul and Samuel are saying that David was a man after God's own heart. That phrase used about David by those two guys means something entirely different than you saying somebody's got a Chevy and they're a man after your own heart. It means that David had a heart toward God. It means that David was passionate about spiritual things. It means that David was interested in pursuing a relationship with God. I've got a friend who would say that um, David was a Jesus chaser. And I think all of us would say uh, this morning that we want to be that person. We want to be that person who has a heart toward God. We want to be a person who, if someone's talking about us, they could say, that person is a, Jeremy is a man after God's own heart. That phrase means something different and so much more than the way that we use it today. I believe that every believer can and should be a man or woman after God's own heart. We want to live for Jesus. We want to do what the Bible expects us to do. But I think here's what happens sometimes. Life's busy, right? We got a lot going on, don't we? And, um, and, and that we feel like, man, if I could go to church on Sunday, and if from God's word, the preacher could share with me one thing that I could do, if there's, there's just one thing, if I could focus on one thing that I could do to make sure my relationship with Jesus was all, always right, um, then that's what I want. The truth is, it's not that way. Life is messy. Life is complicated and um and sometimes we need to settle into a rhythm of a relationship with jesus instead of focusing on a list of things that we should or shouldn't do we got any golfers in here this morning anybody play golf about four of you 
Well, <clears throat> I hate golf. I absolutely hate golf. And here, here's why I hate golf. Can I tell you why I hate golf? Because when you're playing golf, honey, I'm not going to hurt this. Chill out. When you're playing golf, you got to take the club right here like this. And there's a certain way to grip the club, right? You got to hold the club just right. Am, am, am I, golfers, am I doing it right out there? You like what you see? And, um, and you got you to gotta bend your knees a little bit like this. You got to have a little swivel in your hips like this, right? And um, you like that, didn't you, Josh? <clears throat> and uh, and, and there's, there's about 182,000 things you've got to remember when you're playing golf before you hit the ball. Am I right? I ain't got time for that. My person, I'm not wired that way. And so if I, I, I used to play golf, I used to have a really nice uh, set of golf clubs and uh, I used to play golf. In fact, I played, um, I played with uh, a guy who worked at a shoe store just like me uh, back in the day. And um, I, I, um, I played golf, but I hated it. Because here's what happens when I play golf, right? So I, I got my, my golf club like this, and, and I hit it, and it doesn't go where it's supposed to go. It rarely goes where it's supposed to go. And, and so the person that I'm playing, with, playing golf with, here's what they say. They say, Jeremy, I, I saw what you did there. And um, you, you, you need to adjust your grip a little bit, and I think you'll quit shanking it so bad, right? If you just uh, adjust your grip. And so... Um, I get to the next hole and I adjust my grip a little bit and, um, and the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to go. And the person looks at me and he says, Jeremy, I, I, I saw where you dug that tr trench under the tee. I saw what you did there. I think uh, what you're doing, Jeremy, is um, when you come through with your swing, you're bouncing a little bit. You can't bounce like that. Jeremy, I think that I, you're not keeping your eye on the ball. I think if you were to keep your eye on the ball, I think you, that ball might go where you want it to go. And by the time I've hit the ball about 180 times in the first nine holes, I realize that this is a bad idea. Hey, I know I'm doing it wrong. I know because when I can barely get out of bed the next morning because everything in my body is hurting, I know I'm not playing golf right. By the time we finish playing golf, you and me, I'm not even sure we can be friends anymore. I'm really frustrated with you. I know I'm not good at golf, and so that's why I don't play golf. I think often for us, our Christian life is the same way. We've got all these things that we're trying to do and we're trying to remember. And the preacher said, I'm supposed to spend time in God's word. I'm supposed to spend time in prayer. And man, I was having a conversation with someone this week and, and I gossiped or they gossiped and I listened to their gossip or my wife made me really mad this week and I chewed her out under my breath as I was walking away about a block from the house. And we have all these things that we're trying to remember. And the problem with me and golf is I think that there, is all, there are all these things that you're supposed to remember. Most people have those in their mind and then the golf just comes from their soul some kind of way, right? Our relationship with Jesus comes from our heart. 
My relationship with Beth isn't defined by lists of things that I'm supposed to do as a husband. Now, I don't neglect that list. There is a list, and I don't neglect it. But my relationship with Beth is defined by what comes from my heart. And I think the same should be said for us as followers of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to look at a few things this morning from the life of David that I think will help us uh, become uh, more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, David, uh, David uh, keeping those passages in mind, David was called a man after God's own heart. And I think there are three things that we can learn from his life um, that will help us be men and women who are followers of Christ, who are men and women after God's own heart. The first thing is David was faithful in the little things. David was faithful in the little things. David first shows up in 1 Samuel chapter 16. God had commanded Samuel the prophet. Saul was, uh, whether he wanted to or not, Saul was facing the end of his reign as king of Israel. And it was time to appoint a new king. And God had told Samuel to go to Jesse's house. David was the youngest son of Jesse. And Saul had told um, Samuel, God had told Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And there he would find the next king of Israel. It was, pretty, uh, it was a pretty big deal when Samuel came to town. In fact, we know that because Scripture tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the elders or the leaders in the town were afraid. And they came to Samuel when he came, up, came into town. He said, they said, Are you, do you come in peace? And uh, Samuel came to Bethlehem uh, where, David, uh, was, where David lived. And he went to David's house. And he was there to anoint a king. And can you imagine, right? The, the prophet of God is coming to your house. And he is going to uh, anoint a king. I don't know how it was at your house growing up. But when we went to church um, back in the day, uh, we, when I was little, we didn't go to church, right? When I, was, when I was younger. But I remember my papa accepted Jesus. And I remember we all went to church when Papa was baptized. And we all went to J.C. Penney and got new clothes before we went to church to see Papa baptized because it was a big deal. Kind of the same thing. Samuel's coming to the house. Man, everybody's putting on the dog. They're getting dressed up. Can you imagine David's sons? They, they know that Samuel is coming. I promise you this. I'm going to get Samuel and Saul mixed up this morning. I already have. Just kind of read between the lines, okay? Um, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, but all these boys, they know that Samuel is there to appoint a king, and they're all lining up, and they're parading in front of Samuel. And Samuel's like, no, I don't, not that one. No, not that one. The boys keep coming across, and then it gets to the end, and he hasn't appointed a king yet, and he says, he says to Jesse, are there not any more sons? And Jesse goes, yeah, there's David. But he's tending the sheep. David's tending the sheep. David is being faithful in the little things. He is honoring God with his faithfulness in the little things. And so um, David's brothers were older. They had other work to do. David was faithful tending the sheep. David's brothers were soldiers in the army of God. David was too young. 
and he was faithfully tending the sheep. David's brothers were older and were ready to be anointed the next king of Israel. David was younger. He was still faithfully tending the sheep. So, Jesse comes to David and he says, Hey, um, uh, I need you to go check on your brothers. They're, they're in battle and there's, uh, I need you to go check on them, take them something to eat. And here's this little bag of stuff. I want you to take it to them, go check on them. Tell me how they're doing. So David goes to the, to the battlefront and he is, um, he's standing there and um, he takes the food and he takes it to the supply tent. And then he goes and talks to his brothers. As he's having this conversation with his brothers, this big giant comes out. And the giant's name was Goliath and he was, um, he was defying God, right? He was, he was talking ugly about God. He was talking ugly about the army. And, um, and David's standing there and he cannot believe what he's seeing. He can't believe what they're allowing to go on. And he's like, man, I gotta, I gotta fight this giant. I can't believe no one's going to fight this giant. And he went to Saul and said, hey, I want to fight that giant. And Saul was like, hey, you're too young. Literally, he said, you're too young and you're too soft. And David began to say, hey, uh, I've been tending my father's sheep, but I don't think we should allow what's going on to continue to go on. And uh, David was faithful. His resume was that he was faithful tending his father's sheep. David knew that while he was tending his father's sheep, God was preparing him for something different. God was preparing him to be king of Israel. You see, David, as he watched his father's sheep, as he tended the sheep, uh, animals came and tried to steal the sheep, and David protected the sheep. He rescued the sheep from the mouth of the lion and the mouth of the bear, and he killed the lion and the bear. God was preparing David to do something amazing. We need to be faithful in the little things. What are some little things that we need to be faithful in? We need to be faithful in our time with God. We need to faithfully spend time in God's word and spend time in prayer. And really, that's what changes us and makes us more like Christ. And maybe you would say, Jeremy, I spend time in God's word, but I'm not hearing anything from God. What should I do? You should continue to be faithful, spending time in God's word and God and in prayer with God. Here's what we know. This book is powerful. This book contains the gospel. The truth of this book has the power to make you more like Jesus day by day. And you may be in a time in your life spiritually where you don't feel like you're hearing from God like you once did. Keep being faithful because the word of God has power to change you and make you more like Jesus. Be faithful spending time in prayer. Another area we need to be faithful in is giving. I know, here we go. We're going to talk about money. We need to be faithful in giving. You know what? We say this week after week after week. Your generosity, your faithfulness in giving allows us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to in this region. We say that week after week, and you know what? It's true. It's true. We need to be faithful and be obedient in giving. You know what? Everybody wants some of your money. 
Have you, have you noticed the, the trend in retail now? Would you like to donate to the Red Nose Foundation? Which, come on, the, we, the marketing could have come up with something better than that, right? Don't you think? Or, or would you like to round your change up? Anybody hear that? And so, um, and you can buy a pecan log in the middle of the road. I mean, there are all kinds of ways that people are trying to get your money. Um, I, I do, I, I will tell you this, that I do at Firehouse Subs, I round up my change. I do that. I round up my change because I know uh, that that money goes to support the local emergency services in my community. Nathan used to not round up his change <clears throat> at Firehouse Subs. And one day we were in Firehouse Subs and um, they said uh, I had already paid for my food and uh, Nathan was about to pay for his and the lady said, sir, would you like to round up your change to support the emergency services in our community. And Nathan's like, no. And I said, you're not? And uh, he said, well, yeah, go ahead. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I know where that money goes. Hey, I don't, I don't, typically, I don't give to that stuff because I don't know where that money's going. But you know what I say? I say, because it makes you feel bad, right? It makes you feel a little bit bad. Um, but I say, hey, I support the community by giving to my church. And uh, th there's a pro tip for you. That's something, because sometimes you don't know where all that money, you don't know where that 57 cents is going, right? And uh, I want to know where my money's going. And so we need to be faithful in giving. So we need to be faithful in spending time in God's word. We need to be faithful in giving. We need to be faithful in sharing the good news of the gospel. You say, Jeremy, do you realize how uncomfortable that is? It's so uncomfortable uh, to share the gospel. I mean, you're confronting people, you're, you're telling people they're lost and they're on their way to hell. You're not using those words, but that's basically what you're saying. You're telling them that there's nothing they can do to fix it. You're telling them that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins, and you're confronting them with a decision that they need to make. It's uncomfortable. But here's what I'll tell you. You need to be faithful sharing the good news of the gospel. When you share the gospel with someone, it changes you. And it has the potential and the opportunity to change someone's life for eternity. We need to be faithful in the giving. In, 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 uh, we need to be faithful in the little things. David was faithful in the little things. He was a man after God's own heart. The second thing is don't be afraid of the giants. Um, David was there and he went to the, um, he went to check on his brothers and he was shocked at what he found. Here's Goliath and he's shouting taunts at God. He's shouting taunts at the army. And, uh, there David is, God is being mocked. The Israelite army is being mocked and everybody was afraid. In fact, first Samuel chapter 17, verse 11 says, when Saul and all Israel heard these words from the Phil Philistine, they lost their courage and were terrified. They were scared. You know what I think is funny? Saul also tried to bribe the rest of the soldiers. Now, if I'm king of Israel, right, and none of my guys in the army want to go out there, don't you think I'm going to feel like I should be the one to go fight the giants? I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, I mean if, if you go out there and you die, your legacy is you died fighting for what's right. 
But uh, they were all terrified. In fact, Saul said this, if one of you guys will go fight this giant, I will make you rich, I will give you my daughter in marriage, and I'll make it where you and no one else in your family ever has to pay taxes again. Now, depending on what Saul's daughter looked like, that could be a pretty sweet deal, right? And, uh, but uh, no one wanted to fight the giant, and David wasn't afraid. Here's where David's strength came from. God had been preparing David for this moment. David knew this. He went to Saul, and he said this, I'm going to go fight this giant. I want, I want to be the one to fight this giant. And everybody's thinking, what in the world is this kid thinking? I mean, he's going to go out there and he is going to get killed. It's not, the battle's not going to last very long. This is going to be the end of David. What is this kid thinking? And then David walked out in front of the giant and he said this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 47. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of, uh, of the ranks of Israel. You have defiled him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down. Listen, he got, he got in the details. He said, I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give the corpses of the Philistine camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. Then the world will know that Israel has a God, and this whole assembly will know that it's not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord. He will hand you over to us. David was not afraid of the giants. We, we all face giants, right? We, all of us have giants in our lives that we face. And sometimes our giant can be news that we get at the doctor, right? And that can be challenging. That can be something that we've got to deal with. Um, sometimes our giants are financial stress and strain. That can be a giant in our lives that we have to deal with. Maybe uh, some face divorce. And maybe, maybe you've experienced divorce in your life and you don't see a path forward. Hey, can I stop and say something here real quick about that? Divorce does not make you a second-class citizen. There is a path forward. And, um, and, and when you deal with that circumstance or you deal with that situation in your life, um, man, God wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to mend your soul and some of you have faced that giant and have had a difficulty finding a path forward. Don't be afraid of that giant. Some of you have lost a loved one. And you're struggling to survive without that loved one that you've lost. And maybe for uh, some of you, you've raised a child. You've raised them right. You raised them up in church. You taught them God's word. You read scripture to them. And now today they're wayward. And that's a giant that you face in your life. You know what? David didn't fear the giants. You know why? The battle was not David's. David knew and he understood that what he would accomplish would be accomplished by the might and the power of God working in and through David. 
We don't need to fear our giants because God is on our side. David was faithful in the little things. David wasn't afraid of the giants. He faced the giants. And David did not allow his exceptions to define him. You know the story of David and Bathsheba. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I believe it is. It's the passage of Scripture where David goes out and he sees Bathsheba. <clears throat> and he, uh, he wants her. He, he, he has her brought to the palace. He has a relationship with her. Um, and she gets pregnant. And David concocts this plan. He comes up with this plan and this idea that he is going to make it look like that the baby belongs to Bathsheba and Uriah. Well, that didn't work out. So David comes up with this other plan where he is going to, um, he's going to send Uriah back out into uh, the battle. And, um, and so, and, and that's what happens. And Uriah loses his life. And I know what you're thinking. You said that Paul said that David was a man after God's own heart. You're saying, Jeremy, you said this morning that Samuel said that David was a man after God's own heart. And so your whole man after God's own heart thing isn't making sense right now with what we see David doing. And really, we've got, a, we've got in our mind this economy of sin, right? This sin is really bad, or that sin is really bad, or this is worse than that sin. And really... Um, there's really only one sin in Scripture that God said is worse than any other sin, and that is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And life is messy, and David messed up, right? Anybody disagree with me? David messed up. I mean, this is a big deal. And David could have lived his life in that sin... And nowhere in Scripture had David stayed in that sin. Nowhere in Scripture would it say that David is a man after God's own heart. But when David was confronted with his sin, David repented. David was not defined by the sin in his life. He was defined by his repentance that needs to be the case for us today. And there are things that we struggle with, and there are difficulties that come in our life, and we could choose to stay in a state of sin, or we can choose um, to repent of our sins. David, uh, the Bible says if we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David, uh, you know, the enemy comes to David and he says, man, who do you think you are? Look what you did. Look, look what happened with Bathsheba. Look what happened uh, to Uriah. David, look what you did. David comes to me and says, I mean, uh, Satan comes to me and says, Jeremy, dude, I, I, know you're, I know who you are. I know who you are. And he accuses, and he comes to you, and he says, hey, people, people know who you are. I know who you are. We need to be defined by our repentance and not by our sin. God makes a way for us to do that through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. So David was a man after God's own heart. He was faithful in the little things.
David was faithful in the little things. David wasn't afraid of the giants. And David did not allow the things in his life that happened to define him, but he was defined by his repentance. I love Psalm 51. Almost over half of the book of Psalms is written by David. Other portions of the book of Psalms were written by people that were worshipers who wrote songs for David. And David is described as a king. He's described as a shepherd in Scripture. And he's described as a worship leader. But Psalm chapter 51, I'm, I'm going to turn here. Turn here real quick, if you'll give me just a second. Psalm chapter 51. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But there's a couple of verses I want to read uh, for you out of Psalm chapter 51. Verse 16 and 17. It says, and this is David confessing his sin before God. He says, you don't want sacrifice or I'd give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a humble and broken heart. There David says in that passage of Scripture, God, there's nothing I can do. There's not a sacrifice I could make. There's not an action that I could do that would make this thing right with you. But God, the only way I know how, I'm saying to you this morning, I am repenting. That is, I was walking this way toward my sin and I'm turning away from my sin, and I'm walking back towards you. God, I'm repenting, and you see my heart, and you know my heart. Don't be defined by your sin. Be defined by your repentance. If you're watching online, Corbin's got some words he wants to share with you this morning. If you're in the room this morning, um, would you stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? What an excellent message from Pastor Jeremy this morning. Church, the truth is we can use the life of David as an example of things to do, things not to do, how to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, how to get back up after we fall. There's so many examples through the life of David uh, that we can use for our own lives. And the truth is maybe this morning you're watching and and you're a Christian, you're a believer, and uh, you just, you can't move on to the next big thing God has for you because maybe you're just you're not able to stay faithful in the small things. Or maybe you find yourself at a place today where you're letting your sin define who you are, and really you need to let Jesus define who you are. So maybe today you're at a place as, as a Christian where you just need to find yourself praying and saying, Lord, I, I want to move on. I want to go to the next big thing you have for me. But I need your power to help me get there. Because that's the truth, is our power comes from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come from our own doing. And it's as simple as finding yourself in a place of saying, Lord, I know that I can't do all this on my own, but I want to be empowered through you. And so I pray that you would do that today. But maybe maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you can't relate to what Pastor Jeremy said today because you've never put your faith and trust in him. Well, let me tell you, friend, you can do that right here, right now. And it truly is as simple as A, B, and C. A, you've got to admit you're a sinner. And can't save yourself. B, you've got to 
believe that Christ died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and ascended into heaven. And see, you've got to commit your life to Him. And it really is that simple. And so if you find yourself at a place today where you're, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit today and you want to give your life to Jesus, simply pray this prayer with me today. And it's not the words you say, but it's the intent of your heart. Pray something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you sent your Son to die on the cross for me. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. Help me turn from my wicked ways. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today, then I just want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family. And it really is that simple. And so if you, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then uh, we just want you to click that link that says, I prayed to receive Christ this morning. We want to connect with you. We want to be able to send you some things in the mail to help you in your next steps in the Christian walk. Because here's the truth. You don't need to do this, this, this life alone. It's going to get real hard to do it all on your own. And so we want to be able to help you through that. So if you would, just pull out your phone right now and text, I did, I-D-I-D, to the number 97,000. And we're going to send you uh, those resources and connect with you and uh, help you in your faith journey. What an excellent time of worship and studying of God's Word it has been today. We are so thrilled you would join us uh, here at our online campus, and we really hope you will join us again next week. I pray you have an awesome week, and God bless you. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.